Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Thomas Frank Carr. And it's a good week to remind you our friends at New Trail Brewing Company have their great whiteout beer available. What better week to get your whiteout beer, right? If you're heading to the game, and even if you're not, even if you're just watching at home on TV, you want to be the hit of the party, trust me, trust me this works. Bring along some whiteout beer You'll be the hit of the party. If you're in State College for the game, just stop at WR Hickey and pick it up. If you're not there, check. New trails all over the state. Check out your favorite beer retailer. See if they're stocking it. And if they're not, ask them, why aren't you? You need your whiteout beer. All right, T. Frank. We've got to talk about it. We've got to talk about that Michigan game. You're the guy who watches the film. You watch and you find out the things mm-hmm. that were done wrong. You must have been watching this game for a hundred <laughs> well, hours. Off, you had first off. So I just want to say I've been saving this joke for six weeks. If you're going to get the whiteout beer, it's the only whiteout that can happen not at night. So make sure that you start your whiteout at noon or whenever you start your whiteout, because I know there's a lot of controversy about the big noon kick. Yeah. So a lot of stuff went wrong for Penn State. Well, actually, well, the whiteout game this yeah. weekend is Yeah, but it wasn't game. Ohio so State because Minnesota, of the big noon so kick. You, yeah. You got all so day, you can right? have this whiteout whenever you want. It doesn't have to be at night. Um, yeah, so offensively or defensively, offensively, they never had the ball. So I there, there's very little uh, analysis other than, hey, the plays that they did run didn't work super well. And then defensively. They couldn't get off the field. They couldn't stop the run. And that was where there was a lot of interesting things from a schematic perspective and and, a bit of a left turn from Michigan that really blew the game open for the for for the Wolverines. Uh, So overall, I, 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 I do not like saying these things, Jim. You know, I don't like saying these things because it's it's never as simple as this. But Michigan came in with a better game plan. Um, they had a, a better game plan and they executed it better than Penn State. So um, I think for the first time this year, we saw Manny Diaz get get outcoached. He was outfoxed a little bit. And then uh, offensively, we can have a long conversation about what they are, what they want to be and what they should be. Um, and, and I don't know that we have a lot of answers, but it is going to be a long conversation. Well, let's start on the offensive side, and trust me, we're going to lead up to the coaches because I think there's a lot of culpability there. Let's start with the offense. Let's start up front where it begins. And the simple analysis is the Penn State offensive line was dominated by the Michigan defensive line. Uh, Yes. statement? Yeah, uh, not entirely. Like, it's never – everyone wants it to be like – this was a high school team going up against the Jets or something like that. And it's never that, but critical matchups, Penn State lost routinely um, in, in the moments that mattered, right? So a 11 or 12 play drive in the first quarter, and then Penn State goes three and out. They went three and out because they tried to run the ball 
the way that they've run the ball all year, which is condensed formations, get Nick Singleton the football, and then have him uh, read and then bounce and bounce to the outside. But Penn State wasn't going to win those matchups. Like that was something that I think we talked about on this show. And I know I talked about a bunch on my show was I, I thought Penn State had to pivot offensively. You can't come in and run between the tackles because uh, Mozzie Smith and Chris Jenkins, the Penn State or the, the Michigan defensive tackles, the interior players have been dominant against schemes like that. They, they take on double teams well. They're big, they're strong, they're physical. They split the double teams and they force players to bounce outside or they get a tackle themselves. And that's exactly what happened on the on the two runs. Now, it was two runs. Um, then they threw the, the pass over the middle to Parker Washington. That was the bright spot, I thought, was getting the ball to Parker Washington and Bretton Strange. And then those guys would drag defenders for two or three yards and get you close to a first down. But they couldn't convert the first down. And that was the biggest problem, because then you set up yourself for a third and short. And for Penn State, is that is not an automatic down. So um, the game script got away from them very quickly because the offense could not sustain drives. And I put that partially on run the ball on first down, third and short, run the ball into the strength of uh, the Michigan defense, and then punt. And T. Frank, I'll take a little credit in that. I thought the easiest time to pass the ball is on first down, and they came out running the ball on first down, and we saw what happened. I was shocked by that. And I thought especially, and I'm going to ask you more about the play calling, you have two weeks with that bye week to prepare for this game. If there was ever a time you would think that they would zig instead of zag, this would be it. But speaking of the third and one, I wanted to ask you this because I saw this live as the game was going on. And then I saw a a screen capture of this play on the third and one. It looked like Michigan had no one on their defensive side over Penn State's right guard on that on the right side of Penn State's formation. It looked like there could have been just an easy quarterback sneak leaning to the right to get that one yard. Was I looking? Are you talking at that about the first wrong? third down of the game? Yeah, um, the very first third down. So of the game. I don't have that answer for. Like I was not looking at that. I was watching where the play was going, um, and okay. maybe. You know, that's an, that's entirely a possibility. I, I don't usually get into the into those particular, you know, threads in terms of what should they have done. I usually go what happened and why did it happen? Um, so so I don't really have a good answer for you there. But in, in terms of alignment, um, they were they were ready for what Penn State did. <laughs> they they were they the sneak. I don't know, but they were ready for what Penn State did. It was pretty obvious, and they overwhelmed uh, Penn State's offensive linemen. So let's talk about uh, the game plan and the play calling for this game. You're stating, gee, they were going right into the strength of the Michigan defense, and you thought they would have to adjust. Is that on Mike Yursich, the offensive coordinator, and this is where it's tough plan. because they ran 14 plays in the first half. So who knows? <laughs> like, seriously, they maybe got through the game script by halftime and then they had to do their halftime adjustments. So I don't really know what the game plan was. I just tell I, I can just tell you that it would not be what I would have done out of the gate. And I'm not the offensive coordinator. I'm not a coach. I don't have the insights that they do. 
I'm just telling you what I saw based on, you know, my watching a film and the strengths and, and the weaknesses of each team. Um, they did get to doing some of the things that they wanted to do later in the game. And Michigan adjusted to those things as well. Uh, so at, after halftime, they came out and they they threw the ball a little bit more. They threw more play action. They did some of the things that, um, you know, were on the checklist of, okay, we can't run the ball. Here's the other things we're going to do. And then at halftime, uh, Michigan started dropping their defensive ends. And they started dropping them into the underneath coverage lanes so that Penn State could not throw slants. They couldn't throw the underneath passes. And they weren't threatened by anything else from the Nittany Lions. They, they, they felt reasonably confident they were going to get pressure with four. And they didn't, actually, all the time until late in the game when the game script was well out of hand. But they were able to do enough to frustrate Sean Clifford and to confuse Sean Clifford and to take away his primary access so that Penn State's offense, once again, um, was pretty frustrated. Now, they did move the ball in the third quarter. They just didn't get points, and Michigan ripped off two runs to end the game, and then it was over. So the offense really didn't really – they never got out of first gear because they didn't have the they didn't have the time to do it. Well, in the third quarter, when they did move the ball the length of the field, they had a third down, and they decide our best plan of action yeah. here is a yep. fade pass. As Penn State fans, we just go crazy mm -hmm. when we see that. It does not seem like a high percentage play at all, T. Frank. So this is a conversation I had on the BWI Daily Edition the other day. And I, I just want to start with this because I ended with this last time and, and I don't want this out of context. I'm not a fan of throwing goal line fades. I'm not a fan of them. But I'm trying to understand and explain what might be the reason behind that. I have noticed in the red zone, Penn State has been called for a lot of pass interference. So is it reasonable to think that Penn State then says, hey, if we're getting called for pass interference all the time on these go balls in the red zone, on these red zone fades, what if we throw those and we get a free first down? I think that's reasonable. Here's the problem. The way they were throwing those, they were throwing them to a spot, right? So they're throwing, Sean Clifford actually put them in decent locations where it's right on the edge of the out of bounds, about three quarters to the back of the end zone. And the ball landed. Basically, if, if the receiver had been there, that would have been a, an on target pass. He's throwing to a spot. The receivers never got to the spot. So the receivers lost those reps. You put your best two receivers during the game, those fades. Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley, you put them in one-on-one. -on -one. You put them in ISO basketball. You know, uh, LeBron's going to get to the cup. That's what I said this week. Is like That's what it is. It's, it's just one dude. He's got to beat the other. It's a rivals camp. It's an on-three camp. It's whatever. You know, all the stuff, the measurements and testing, these guys have done this th their entire lives. And Michigan's corners won those reps. So they never forced the ref to even go to their pocket to look for the flag because it was an overthrown pass. That's that's where they found themselves on those plays. If they had thrown those back shoulder, you might have gotten a pass interference, but Penn State did not throw those back shoulder. Those are the plays that Penn State has been getting called on this season is when you throw a back shoulder on one of those red zone fades. The, the DB grabs the guy as he's turning, and then you get the flag. So they... I'm not going to totally uh, discredit the concept, given this 
area of you know thinking about it, but the execution of that was wrong. If that's what you were going for, uh, the execution of just a regular fade was fine, other than the receiver lost. Well, my my issue with it is you may look across the field and see that your opponent's been succeeding with it. You have not, as a team, succeeded with it. And the other part to this equation, you mentioned LeBron James. Problem is, Le- LeBron James is six <laughs> yeah. foot eight. Yeah, Mitchell Tinsley is—he was the bigger receiver, like he was think... bigger than the other guy, but yeah, not six eight. And yeah, Kobe, uh, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, wh- whoever you want, going to the cup. Like there are small guys that go to the cup too. Dwayne Wade's not the biggest dude in the world. Well, it, it, it's when you lob the pass, which essentially the analogy to basketball is a lob yep. pass. I want the big guy there. All right, T. Frank, that's it for offense in quarter number one. We'll look at the defense in quarter number two. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, we are in whiteout week. And this is the next two weeks, whiteout and then Ohio State. It's the two huge games. And if you are still looking for a place to stay in Happy Valley for the weekend, gopsurv.com has just a couple openings left. Great way to spend the weekend. You drive your car there. The RV is all set up, ready, and waiting for you. All you need to do is call Mark at 
519-8467, and he will take care of you. Fun way to spend the weekend. You don't have to worry about that parking situation at the stadium. That's all taken care of for you. It's a fun way to spend the weekend. Trust me, I've done it. It is great. All right, T. Frank, we talked offense in the first segment. Not a lot of highlights. In fact, a lot of lowlights there. Yeah. Now let's turn to the Penn State defense. Can we can we do one thing quickly? Yeah. Sorry, I, I know I'm, I'm sure. cutting off your flow. But we did not talk about one thing, which was Sean Clifford hit a go ball. Like, I know there was a lot of bad stuff, but he hit a nine route down the field, which I don't think he's done since 2019. <laughs> so, like, that was <laughs> is super impressive. It was the perfect pass. And he actually delivered the ball on target a couple of times in great locations. And he was able to step up through pressure to do that. So Penn State kind of wasted a good Sean Clifford game. Like he was not bad on Saturday. Now there's a lot of ancillary things around throwing the football, you know, that we can have conversations about. You brought up, you know, should he have QB, uh, should there have been a QB sneak there? And like that's entirely valid. I would have to go back and watch that, but that, like, and, and the run game and RPO decisions, things like that. But he did rip off a 66 yard run. Uh, or however long it was, and he did hit some good passes. So for all we've said about Drew Aller versus Sean Clifford and all that stuff, he wasn't the problem. <laughs> he was definitely not the problem. The defense was the problem on Saturday. Well, actually, I'm glad you brought that up, T. Frank, because it is a topic of conversation. Here's where I had issues with this game, was at that point, my feeling on the game, and I was texting with our buddy and colleague, Andrew P. Shea, and he was like, this game's over, you know, pretty early in the first half. And I'm like, well, no, how many times have we seen where one team will dominate another, but they end up kicking field goals and they yep. regret it. And then Penn State with the crazy plays ends up ahead 14-13. And then even when they just allowed the field goal before half, you're down two points and you're going to get the kickoff. I think Penn State was still in great shape. Yeah. They hit yep. that big play, they get it down the field, but then they can't, they don't score the touchdown when they have the opportunity. That's yep. the point where I thought was the beginning of the end. Yeah, you kicked a field goal. Yes, you got ahead again, but I shook my head with, it doesn't feel like you're going to get a whole lot of these opportunities. You need to cash Ag them in with touchdowns, not field goals. Agreed. And, and the game pressure was never on Michigan. It was never on the Wolverines to do anything but what they wanted. And I don't know that a four, I think it would have been a, uh, that point they were up two. it would have been a nine point lead. It would have been up five. That, yeah. I don't know that that would have done it. That wouldn't have done it either uh, to get them out of the game plan, but uh, it would have helped. It would have maybe caused them some concern. And I think it changes the psyche of your own team. You know, I, yeah. I think you start believing a lot more and it was also, I put that on the offensive coordinator and the head coach. You would think at that point, they haven't used up much of the playbook in the first half, okay? Yeah. We know that. Yeah. You've had a, a bye week, some extra time to get ready. That's the point where I'm I'm ready to say, wow, what a great play call. Yeah. That didn't happen, though, did it? No, no. Okay. Let, let's move on to the defense because they're – this is the first time, and you you mentioned it earlier, I've been a big Manny Diaz fan. I've loved what he's done throughout this season. This is the first time, if 
just felt like he was completely overmatched, outcoached. Yeah. Um, so it, it, again, I have a, I always have a hard time doing this, right? I have a hard time saying that, even though I did already. Here's the here is what I found. Here is what I found. So I had a certain prediction coming into this game based on what I saw on film from Michigan over the last three games against Big Ten opponents and some casual observations of when I watched the games against UConn and, you know, the other ones. I didn't go into the film and actually break down that film. I did watch the Big Ten opponents because I thought they were like comparisons. Michigan did everything opposite of what they had done for the last month. So they pulled a Penn State versus Auburn where they flipped their playbook on its head and they ran from different, they ran the same formations. They ran different schemes from those formations. So if they're in one setup and they run to the right, normally they were running a different, they were running power to the left. If they're, if they're lined up in an unbalanced set and they're usually running one scheme, they came back and ran something the other way. So Penn State was prepared for everything that Michigan was going to do. And when they did things that had been on film, Penn State shut those things down. When they ran regular inside zone, which had been the, the majority of what they had done, when they ran their basic counter packages and they ran some of their normal, um, uh, just straight up man uh, blocking, Penn State was able to get in the backfield. They were able to use their speed to their advantage and their aggression and get downhill. But Michigan... They they zigged and zagged when Penn State was zagging and zigging, and they were just constantly outflanked because this is the reality. Penn State is not as big as Michigan, but they are not so much less talented at football that they would give up 418 yards. This is not an FCS team. So there had to be something going on that wasn't just they're bigger because that is Penn State's been the smaller team in 90 percent of the games they've played, and they've been good at run defense for most of the year, other than last year when they didn't have any defensive tackles and they had all their defensive tackles and they still got their butt kicked. Now, were they overmatched at times? Hakeem Beeman was shoved out of his gap several times by double teams. Devon Ellis had a problem with that. Sometimes, uh, you know, some of the defensive ends had an issue staying in their gap as well, but it was not that they were just, they didn't get their butt kicked for 418 yards. They were outmaneuvered. And and Michigan used pullers and uh, formations to create massive, massive advantages in the blocking scheme. And then when Penn State was off kilter, they just lost gap responsibility. They were not clean. They made a lot of mistakes. And so that basic stuff started to break down. And that's how that game happened. That and they had to be on the field for 50 plays. And I'm sure at the end, you're trying to get to your spot and you just make a mistake because you've been hit 25 times and then you get a 67 yard touchdown to seal the game. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you're saying they were just playing out coached, out schemed. They were out schemed. They were definitely out schemed. I have a hard time because I was wrong. You know, like I, I would have come up with a game plan that I wouldn't have come up with a game plan to do the opposite of what Michigan had been doing. So that's where I have a hard time saying, yeah, like it was, it was an oversight by the coaching staff. Did they adjust? Well, um, it took them a long time to get in a rhythm defensively. And part of that is on the players because I thought they came out pretty flat. They came out at uh, some of the defensive linemen. Some of the players didn't have a whole lot of fight in them to begin the game. And here's the thing. 
Jim, and this is my this is my opinion about football. It is a prerequisite to be tough to get on the football field. You're not you're not soft if you're playing football. If you make it to the field and you beat 125 other people out on your own team to start, and I know you know just broad numbers, you probably are pretty tough. Was the other team percentage-wise more physical and tougher? Yes, but not 418% more. But they were in that first that first quarter. The first quarter and a half, they were pushed around. They responded, and by the way, they only gave up six points during that time, and then critical failures gave up those, those 14 points that, that ended the game. Uh, and one of the biggest things that, that Michigan was doing was they were pulling away from the formation. So they have speed all over the field. And Penn State has to account for the receivers out in the bubble screen. They started leaving those guys one-on-one as much as they could. But the formation was away from where they were pulling. And they were getting corners and safeties to fill run gaps against linemen. And the linebackers, especially, you know, I, I've been calling out players on the show already, so I guess I'll just keep doing it. I don't normally like to single out individuals, but Tyler Elsden could not run to the point of attack. And then when linebackers were trying to get to their gap and and push this stuff back inside, they were not filling their gaps properly. So these are basic mistakes that led to all those yards. But it was because Michigan had out-schemed everybody. I'm holding up my notes for you to look at, T. Frank. Yeah. You see what I underlined? Tyler Elston was going to be my next question. And it seemed like when you have those big runs, it's typically... All right, obviously there's a hole at the line of scrimmage, but you look for the linebacker to make the tackle and make this a seven, eight, nine yard gain, not a 60 yard gain. And it appeared Tyler Elston from the TV uh, angles wasn't taking good angles, but what put me over the top was he had a direct hit on a player and didn't wrap. Yep. And so that that was an obvious place. But here so he gets a bit of a bad rap from this game because all the linebackers were bad. All the and and Curtis Jacobs had an Ellis Brooks game from 2020 where he's doing things against the technique and fundamentals that he should be doing because he's trying to make a play because they're getting blitzed, right? Like they're he's trying to be a difference maker. Um, but when your freshman linebacker and your uh, and your junior linebacker are both making the same mistake on the same play, you're in a situation where your defense is no longer functioning. The second level of the defense could not flow to the point of attack. So when you pull, you have to flow with the pull. And they struggled to do that. Whether it was Elsden, Jonathan Sutherland was out of his gap routinely. Um, he was out in space when he needed to be inside. He dove into the, uh, the a gap when he needed to be in the B gap. There were just so many problems that the second level here, and this is, again, this is what I was not expecting coming into this game, that the second level wasn't going to be able to flow. I knew that Elsden and, and the middle linebacker in general was going to struggle with speed in this game, but Michigan turned it up to 11 by making everybody run sideline to sideline. So they used speed as much as they used power to defeat the Nittany Lions. And it was just, in general, a bad game from the second level all around. And when you put into that key players up front not doing their job, that's how you get the total system failure that you had. And then the second level, you know, the the safeties struggled to tackle in space, and that was another nightmare for Penn State. That's going to have to be it for quarter number two, T. Frank. Quarter number three. 
We're going to take your questions and ask T. Frank. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSURV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSURV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. You know what that means. It's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we take your questions. Football, recruiting, life in general. If you're ready to jump off the ledge after that game, you could ask (laughs) T. Frank if we have some hope going forward. And at the end of the segment, we'll pick out the best question You'll get a prize pack from our good friends at New Trail Beer. And I've had to answer this question multiple times, Steve Frank. No, we are not going to ship you beer, okay? But some great uh, New Trail swag, shirts and the like. It's fantastic stuff. Again, that goes to the winner. And if you want to ask a question of T. Frank, just download our app. Very simple. Go to your app store. Look for Keystone Sports. You'll see it there. Download it and find the Ask T. Frank button. All right, T. Frank, you ready for the questions? Yep, let's do it. Let's start with Brad in Percasy. Brad says, T. Frank, thank you for your insight. Despite having a new defensive coordinator, we weren't able to stop the run against physical teams. Is this a personnel issue or a scheme issue and why? Second, how does Penn State fix this 
before Minnesota comes to town? Uh, so, I mean, we covered most of this question in, in the last quarter, but um, it's not, not a personnel issue. So I, I think primarily it was scheme. And that's credit to Michigan for seeing a weakness in Penn State and, and just hammering it. Um, that being said, they do have significant personnel issues that don't allow them to overcome those things. They are not big up front, and they are not physically dominant at any position, whether that is through speed or power or speed and power. I think it's pretty clear that they have good football players, but you know, some of their best athletes and some of their best talent is true freshmen. So they're they're making mental mistakes. They're not playing at a high level of football to overcome some of the s- schematic issues that they were facing. So it is partly a personnel issue. But here's the good news. And this is this is I have not watched any Minnesota. I just know uh, from watching them previously and from following PJ Fleck and Kirk Sharaka that they are what they are. They are going to come in with a game plan that even if there's a wrinkle, like they run six offensive linemen like they did before, they are they are going to be uh, zone off of they're going to be outside zone with read option. They are going to do a lot of RPOs and they are going to try to get bombs away and get some big plays with their receivers because you stack the box with their large formations. They're a little bit like Michigan, except they want to get big passing plays. So it is a similar task, but I think. Penn State won't have to uh, defend a left hook when they're not expecting it. I, I think that Mi- Minnesota is going to come in with a game plan that looks like what they've done previously, and uh, and Penn State can defend that. You know, it's not as uh, difficult for them. I don't. I don't think it should be. They are good at beating zones. They were not good at beating, you know, those pulling concepts. So that is a, an advantage, but. You know, Tyler Elsden is who he is, and, and Hakeem Beeman is who he is. James Franklin brought up that they need to get bigger at defensive tackle and, and kind of brought that idea of we need to get bigger as a football team up. And and I have some issues with him saying that at that point, but he's not wrong. It You know, it's just the, the cards you were dealt. And also, you stacked the deck this way. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. Well, I, I have, uh, you know, Two, two issues with that statement that he made, kind of along the same lines as, as you, T. Frank. When he says something like that, it feels like an excuse. But the second part of it is, James, you're the guy who recruited these players. You're yeah. the one you know who has that reputation as a great recruiter. If that's the issue... Yeah. This is something, no, by the way, I'm going to dig into. Like, I'm I'm going to dig into this particular thing this week because it is something that's interesting. Like, is this a reassessment of how they want to run the operation from strength? And, and this goes to the bedrock of strength and conditioning. Do are are we doing the things we need to do in the off season, and do we need to change those things for specific positions, or what is the role of the player in their body development? You know, so a lot of teams will say you're going to be this many pounds, you know, at Iowa, you're going to be this many pounds or we're going to make your life hell and you won't play. You know, like that's part of the culture issue is like you've got to conform. Does Penn State give players latitude to determine their own future and success? And if that's the case and he's saying everyone wants to be Aaron Donald and they allow that. That's a part of this story, too. Like, we need to dig into those things. So I'm going to be doing that this week. That's something I want to get more information about. So 
I, I believe that conversation is absolutely a valid one to have this week, but it's not going to change the reality of this team for the rest of the season. And it leads to also with James Franklin, as I heard those words, I'm thinking he sh- if he isn't regretting them, he should, because it just creates an atmosphere where everyone's going to say, well, James, you're controlling that. Plus, yeah. it also gives the narrative that we just lost to a bigger, stronger team. And T. Frank, this is why we love talking to you. You watch the film and say, there's a whole lot more going on here than just Team yeah. A is bigger and stronger than Team B, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And and so this is another thing of like, he's a human being, right? And that was probably one of the lower moments of his life. And I don't want to be an, an unfeeling, cruel person that he's supposed to be perfect. And I am definitely not. I would lash out way more like if that's the worst lashing out he would do he's a pretty well controlled person that he states an obvious fact without the context of it and that's like his way of of you know that's like an outlet for him in that moment and and he owned a lot of that by the way you know it it comes out as coach speak but he did say like we got out coached we got outplayed we got out physical everybody lost it wasn't like he put he took the majority of it, and then these layers came out. So I don't want to crucify him for literally one sentence where he was probably being honest. Like, let's be real. He, this is probably, he's probably had that conversation with several players before, and this is the first time it's come out publicly. And, you know, I, I again, as much as I want to have that conversation and dig into that particular topic and get, because I think there's a lot of insight there. You know, you're going to, if you hate James Franklin, you hate James Franklin, and that's going to be how you respond. But he, I just see, I see him as a human being and I am, I don't hate humans. And you know, I I don't want, I don't want to create this environment of like everything he says is allowed to be criticized because you know, he's a person and he makes mistakes too. And the James Franklin haters did come out this week. Trust me. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to stand in front of a front of a train for anybody, but you know, (laughs) I'm just going to be on the side commenting on like, you know, like, you know what I just said. Don't I, need to rehash it. I, I got you. Okay. A lot of the questions for this week are things that we've covered, as as you mentioned, T. Frank. I want to go to two questions from last week because okay, it, it's fascinating to me how narratives can change so quickly. So I'm going to give you two of them at once to comment on. Okay. Ryan from Dubois, and this came in last week. T. Frank, after the win at Auburn, I was feeling pretty confident. We would not repeat falling off a cliff like we did last year. However, these last two games, and he's not talking, this is prior to Michigan, yep. Yep. giving me flashbacks of last year's impotent offense. Are you yep. buying or selling that the team won't repeat last year's funk and will win at least nine to ten games this year? The other question comes from Steve in Potomac who says, is Manny Diaz an upgrade over Brent Pry? Seems that way to me so far. Now, again, those questions came in before the Michigan game. Mm-hmm. And not so much how do you feel, but a comment on how that narrative has changed in one game, has it not? Yeah. So the first one, the narrative has changed over the last month. And I think that is more of a fair comment. And that's more of a, that, that is more fair than is Manny Diaz an upgrade over Brent Pry. They are, and James Franklin has been saying this in a lot of different ways. Like they're kind of similar. And I think that means even the output of the defense is going to be kind of similar. It's going to look differently here and there, but they are similar 
in structure. They're similar in uh, philosophy minus the aggressiveness. Like the aggressiveness is really the difference here. But they go about trying to accomplish the same thing, stopping the run, getting you in third and long. And Manny Diaz with pressure, Brent Pry with uh, suffocating coverage, wants to get there with four and and play defense even handed. Diaz does things differently, but, you know, they kind of get to the same spot. Um, I don't think that last week should make you freak out about Manny Diaz. He's going to have better performances. He might have more similar ones, but uh, the offense, (laughs) you know, as much as the defense was the problem and and we're not moving away from that spot. The offense also did not generate points, as you pointed out, and they did not generate yards or time of possession or any of the things that they went in to do in that game. This offense has problems like systematic problems. Landon Tangwell didn't play in this game, right? He was out because he was injured during pregame. I don't know the last time I've seen a player injured so badly in pregame that he's out for the game, right? He's going through thud. If if something is wrong with him after thud, that means there was something wrong with him before thud. So I, I and I've had this thought for a while. Lennon Tangwall has not looked like the same football player this year that he did a year a, a year ago. So my my suspicion now is that he's been playing with an injury. So I'm not expecting him to get any better because he's clearly injured in my mind. So that any progression from the left side of the offensive line is going to be on Olufashanu, and that's basically it. The right side of the offensive line, we know what Caden Wallace is, and uh, Sal Wormley is a good run blocker, but he's a good run blocker, right? So this offensive line is what it is. Adding two tight ends is not going to change the fact that they are not consistent run blockers. They're not physically doing anything differently. And technique-wise, they're not drive-blocking any better. They're holding on to the point of attack the same amount. So how is adding two tight ends and condensing formations going to create space for you? This is my problem, is I don't think this offense right now, as it's constructed, does a good enough job of creating space for its football players, whether it's the running backs in the run game, which they had done a decent job of before, but then teams adjusted to what they were doing, and they need to evolve again. They don't have speed at receiver. And they like to work the underneath passes. They like to get the ball out quickly because they, again, offensive line pass blocking for too long. Sean Clifford, all those problems there. There's too many dead ends right now. They need to find a different way through. And again, I'm not the offensive coordinator. I'm not Mike Yersich who has the expertise to do that. I'm just here, the obnoxious guy, pointing out all the problems he's already well aware of. So how they evolve next is going to determine whether or not they are successful going forward. Because I don't think they can continue to run the ball, heavy formations, condensed fronts, and then expect different results. They're going to be an inconsistent offense that every once in a while, if Nick Singleton Singleton can break a a big run, then they'll get some points. But that's a lot of pressure on one player. That's going to have to be it for quarter number three. And Ash T. Frank, stick around. Quarter number four, we'll name our winner, and we'll look forward to Minnesota. Stay tuned. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. 
It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti along with T. Frank Carr. It's quarter number four of our show. And before we do anything else, T. Frank, we need a winner from Ask T. Frank. Who do you got? Uh, Ryan in Dubois had a prophetic question uh, and one that he might have seen coming before I did. You know, uh, I, th- I, I think that that was a great question and I want to keep talking about it, actually. Okay, we will get to that, but Ryan, I will be contacting you, and you'll get the prize pack from our good friends at New Trail Brewing. Uh, T. Frank, we do want to pick up the conversation, what we're talking about in quarter number three, and trust me, we will get to Minnesota in a moment, but I want to shape the question a little bit different here, T. Frank. Okay. We talked about earlier, you know, Michigan, what they did to Penn State, they zigged when Penn State was zagging. They game planned for that. Uh, we've seen this over the years, teams having an identity. Minnesota is coming up. Remember a couple of years ago they came in and Kirk Sharaka just out Penn State like crazy, did such a good job, Penn State decided to go out and hire him. Well, that yeah. didn't work out so well. Penn State then, oh, we'll bring in Mike Yursich, an offensive guru, yet we haven't yet seen that game where I, I think Auburn the last two years have been his highlights, Yeah. but overall we haven't seen him out scheme people. We keep hearing the other way. It seems like the other teams out scheme Penn state. And we hear James Franklin talk about in post game. Well, we weren't expecting to see that. How come the other team keeps coming up with stuff that Penn State isn't ready for? I'm not hearing Penn State coming up with things the opponent isn't ready for. I don't. So this go this goes into 
the nature of coaching and the, the, the nature of their jobs. And I've never done that job. So I, I can't answer that for you in a intelligent way that gives you any insight, uh, unfortunately. So when it comes to that part, that is obviously up to interpretation by whomever. And, and I think the evidence speaks for itself coming off bye weeks and the next one will be big losses. And then how do you recover from said big losses? Those go to the nature of coaching and the job and all of those things that don't just come from watching film and, and deciding what happened and, and deciding what is going to happen is their job. I will say there is a gatekeeper on the offense and that is the quarterback. And there are throws every game I see that I go, you could have tried that if you wanted. And, and then the quarterback doesn't. So do we know that Mike Yersich can't scheme guys open? I think he can. Does he have the players that are going to get open in the scheme to make it obvious? Uh, no, but there are guys that are te- that I would say are open. It's not perfectly clean, but you're you're going up against power five teams in the one of the best conferences in America. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be sunshine and rainbows, uh, unless I guess you're playing Penn State off a of bye if you're Michigan. Um, <laughs> So I, I can't, I think that Mike Yersich is a creative play caller. I like the things he does. I think he does great stuff to break his own tendencies, but they need to execute those schemes. And that comes from, you know, the, the offensive line, the quarterback, the receivers, the receivers. I'll, I'll just bring this point up again. And this is something that I think is fair to say. Penn State put its best receivers in positions to make catches and they came up short. That happens from time to time, but it happened last week Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington that ball on fourth down hit him in the hands I understand he's diving I understand it's it's not an easy catch but it was a high leverage situation and I've watched Parker Washington catch balls one-handed after practice on a jugs machine for 15 minutes so they practice high leverage passes they practice catching the ball with a guy hanging off of you that's his job and that's his function so if, if he, I'm not putting that on the coordinator. I'm not putting that on the quarterback. Sometimes we have to blame the individuals outside of the easy ones because those are the ones that always have the ball in their hands. So that's that part. But are there players that are open? I believe Mitchell Tinsley is getting open more than he's getting the football. I believe that there are more passes to be had in this offense. Then that points at Sean Clifford, right? Yeah, it does. But does it does it mean that Drew Aller will do better? And that's the million dollar question. Does it mean that Drew Aller will do better? Uh, this is something somebody asked me on my show earlier this week. You know, it, does does Drew Aller fix this problem? And if you get confident, Drew Aller, uh, the, the Drew Aller we saw come into games in mop up duty or come into the game in an even situation against Purdue and throw passes and look Im- impressive rather than a guy who's down what was it at that point, 35 or whatever it was at that point where he was, you know, he's down uh, like three scores and he's got to operate the offense now in an obvious passing situation. That guy's not going to succeed because that guy was never going to succeed. Whoever the quarterback was, that guy wasn't going to succeed. So I I don't know, but if you get him in with his own game plan out there making decisions, you tailor what you do to him, maybe you get a different outcome. Maybe he is better at processing and reading and getting to the backside and understanding what's going on. But also maybe he hasn't seen 
some of these rotations and coverages before, and he gets confused. That's also a possibility. We don't know the depths of his knowledge in the offense and about defense yet. And we still have a true freshman here, T. Frank, that we're talking about. Now, I've always been of the feeling, uh, especially as this team is undefeated, you keep throwing Sean Clifford out there. I've even gone so far, I've heard the one theory, once they have a loss or two losses, it's time to make the change. Even if it's just in preparation for next year, even if you sacrifice a game. I've always been of the feeling, even with two losses, this team is 10-2 and and probably playing a New Year's Day bowl game, okay? Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty good. I think before this season started, fans would have taken 10-2, and sign me up. Mm-hmm. Now we're though in, are we in a situation where this Michigan game, this is a team that needs to make a change, meaning Penn State, to mm-hmm. what they're doing. And the easiest way to do that is at the quarterback position. Does that, obviously it would really re-engage the fans, but yeah. would it might it also re-engage the players? I don't think the players were them. disengaged. So I don't think the players were, are disengaged. Again, this is not a lack of effort. <laughs> so this isn't they're not trying hard enough at what they're doing. They're trying very hard. Um, what it could do is open up more passing plays. You know, like so what I just pointed out, Tyler Warren is running down the seam. He's open. He's against a corner that is six inches shorter than he is at. And I'm being generous here. And the ball didn't go in the air. Does the other quarterback throw that football and does he throw it on target and does Tyler Warren catch it? So uh, there are a lot of variables that go into playing the quarterback that aren't about just the quarterback, but it does open the opportunity for we know what Sean Clifford does. We know what he's uncomfortable doing, and we know that he will make some mistakes because of being Sean Clifford. It's the unknown positives and negatives about Drew Allard that would open up or crush the season. And let's talk about the people involved too. These are not people who are fine with losing football games. The reason that they do poorly after losing a football game is because they didn't want to lose one of them. So the idea of, yeah, we'll sacrifice a couple of football games. That is entirely a fan's perspective. That has nothing to do with people that spend 80 hours a week trying to win every single football game. And if they feel like they have more disadvantages with the freshman quarterback than they have advantages, they're not going to make that change unless it becomes obvious through injury or the bottom falls out that Sean Clifford isn't the starter. And it would take it would take I think it would take a lot to put in Drew Aller. I don't know that that's the answer. Like there are other there are other exit ramps off of that. So do you do you change your formational tendencies? Do you use less condensed formations? Do you run out of wide splits? Do you uh, use a third receiver more often? Even if he's not a better football player, you are spacing the field out for your running game. Do you try to major in something other than big boy football, trying to play ball control and run the ball and give these guys some breathing room? I don't know that it would work. Just like I don't know that putting Drew Aller would work, I know that what they've been doing isn't working, and that is not helpful to the coaching staff whatsoever. They're aware of that, but it's just about finding the next solution, and if they continue down this path, that is my concern. So finding another way forward is is the is really the solution here, and it would take some creativity 
outside of just changing the quarterback to make this offense just suddenly be good. And that's their job, T. Frank. And I think that's what's disappointing is if you ever had a time to fix things, it's when you have a bye week. Let's project forward. Let's talk a little bit real quickly about Minnesota. Uh, The fear is we're going to see a big-time running back in Muhammad Abraham. Uh, We don't know Tanner Morgan's status, the quarterback, if he'll be Mm -hmm. back. But this is a team a couple years ago with Tanner Morgan who really schooled Penn State. And to add to it, it's Kirk Scirocco who did the schooling as the offensive coordinator a couple years ago. After a short, unsuccessful stint with Penn State, he's back with Minnesota. It's got to be revenge game for him at the very least. Tell me your thoughts going into Minnesota. I I, I don't. Kirk Shiraka didn't seem like a guy that was super interested in revenge anyway. Like he still got paid, and and he seemed like a guy that is very introspective. And I, I'm sure he's very competitive. He's a coach, uh, so I just I don't know. I talked to him maybe twice over Zoom. So. When it comes to what they do, though, like I said before, they do what they do. Big formations. Basically, they're doing what Penn State is doing. Penn State hired Mike Yersich, and they're running Mike uh, Kirk Shiraka offensive concepts of big tight end formations. The only thing they're not doing as much is they're not doing as much play action RPO stuff down the field. That was what got Penn State was they were sucked in with the running game and then Bateman and the other guy went over top and there were just these gigantic open passing lanes. That's what I'm talking about when I'm saying Penn state needs to create space. Teams do not respect Penn state's running game enough to create voids in zones down the field for the receivers to get open. And the receivers are not doing a good job getting open against single coverage because teams don't respect their speed. So how do you manufacture space? This is how, Minnesota does it. But if Tanner Morgan's not in the game and they don't have a credible quarterback to throw the ball to those guys down the field and make those decisions, whether it's the read option or just the RPO, that does limit what they do. Also, they're very formulaic in the terms of like they are heavy into specific things. It's a system. And if Penn State knows what to expect, I think that they can play with this team. Yeah, I don't expect them to give up 500 yards. That is going to have to be it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, 
local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are tech results located right here in state college we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites our clients include doctor's offices lawyers construction companies and even hairdressers we provide help with their industry specific software learn more at techresults.com that's t-e-k results.com or give us a call at 814-206-0000 